As people all over the world continue to grapple with the legacy of racism, there is a sense of possibility, a feeling that this moment could offer a unique opportunity to address deeply entrenched forms of injustice. In this episode of The Search for Racial Equity, NASCAR driver Bubba Wallace opens up about his battles with depression and self-doubt, the importance of choosing love in the face of hate, and how to drive change, both on and off the track. Hello everyone, my name is Cherise Torres. I'm the Global Director of Inclusion at Google, and I'd like to welcome you to our next episode of Talks at Google, The Search for Racial Equity. Today, I am really excited to introduce our speaker, Bubba Wallace. Bubba is a professional race car driver wrapping up his third season, driving the iconic number 43 Chevrolet for Richard Petty Motorsports. As the first full-time African-American driver in the NASCAR Cup Series since 1971, Bubba Wallace is known for breaking down barriers, but his impact goes far beyond the racetrack. Earlier this year, he used his platform to support Black Lives Matter and successfully challenged NASCAR to ban the Confederate flag from its tracks, earning him a reputation as a leader in the fight for racial justice. Bubba, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So we talked about this a little bit in our intro, but just so the entire world knows how much of a gearhead I am, uh, my husband and father were diehard gearheads. And honestly, I think one of the reasons that my husband decided I was the one was Mm -hmm. my uncanny ability to identify American muscle from European speed just by the sound of the engine. So tell us a bit about your journey to NASCAR. Have you always been a car guy? Has it always been about racing for you? Yeah, I think ever since I was nine years old, I started out in go-karts. And, you know, it kind of just followed the the path, um, which I didn't really know what was certain. Um, But we were just every about every two years, my dad was like, hey, let's get this bigger and faster car to race. And I'm like, okay. So we went from go-karts to bandoleros to legend cars uh, and got into a full-size stock car late model stock car um when i was 13 14 and and so getting to muscle around 400 horsepower uh was a lot of fun and it was challenging but you also learned every step of the way so um you know finally breaking into the nascar ranks uh, when i was 18 Mm -hmm. um which was you know uh, in the canaan pro series east at that time, and and it's been it's been really cool to uh, to to look back on the journey and see you know all the kind of avenues that we had had ventured upon and and uh, how one door opened and one door closed and and uh, now here we are. Yeah. So as much as I want my son to watch this, something tells me I might get a little pushback at not letting him drive the Volkswagen, given you were taking around four hundred horsepower at his age. Oh so yeah. That's maybe right. I'll just edit that part. <laughs> when I'm watching it at home. So um, moving now to kind of the moment that we're in. So many of us, when it comes to a time of unrest and uncertainty between COVID, the growing movement for racial equity, uh, forest fires in my home state of California and across the West Coast, so many of us are feeling a deep sense of anxiety Mm -hmm. and almost a feeling like one small mistake could cause a disaster. And when I think about any given NASCAR race, I think you're really well aware that your job is a metaphor for this. So how do you prepare yourself for a race? What tactics are you using to get into the zone when there's so much going on around you? Yeah, there is a, there's a a lot. And, and it's, you know, now with the, with the schedule, the way it is now because of COVID, 
It actually takes a lot of the stress away. Um, oh, really? Because we're, we're, we're mainly flying in the day of. Um, it takes a stress away, but it adds a stress because we have no practice. We have no qualifying. The moments we get on, the first laps we get on the track is, is when the green flag drops for the race. So mm. uh, no mistakes or that's it. Your weekend's over with. So there's been a, a lot of guys where um, they've traveled across the country or whatever it may be and, and have wrecked on lap one. And so there's that stress. But there's also, you know, usually we're our, our schedules are from, you know, flying out Thursday, coming home late Sunday night, early Monday morning. And that's mm. kind of our schedule for 36 weeks. And so uh, with COVID now, with it being just a one-day show, we usually just travel out either Saturday night or Sunday morning um, to go to the race. So there's that kind of stress taken away from that. So for me, it's been kind of like a, uh, a smooth sail for, for the most part. Um, you know, um, it's easy for me to compartmentalize what's going on and, and kind of focus on the task at hand and, 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 and shift my mind. Like right now I'm focused on, on talking to you having this great conversation and then it'll switch over to, uh, to race mode, uh, shortly after this and mm-hmm. start to prep yourself. And, and so it'll be, um, it'll be exciting to see what goes on this weekend. Yeah. So it sounds like being present, really being present to whatever it is you're involved in That's is it. core to how you stay grounded. Absolutely. In the moment. That's how I like mm-hmm. to roll. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Speaking of staying present, you have been open over the past year about mental health and mm-hmm. the importance of mental health and uh, challenges that you've had with depression. Um, what led you to open up about that? And before you, before you answer, I'll just say that, you know, I don't know about your family, but growing up for me, talking about therapy, talking about depression or anxiety, it's not just something that Black folks did. Mm-hmm. Right. You either mm-hmm. prayed it away or you realize that you didn't have it as hard as others. So you kind of suck it up. Yeah. So yeah. I think anyone, particularly people of color, speaking up about therapy, speaking up about depression or anxiety, it's an act of bravery. It's an act of leadership and something that I try to actively model in my circle. So right. what drove you to open up? Yeah, I think, you know, if you ask me what's going on. I'm going to tell you, I'll give you a full rundown of my day and. And that's just kind of how it kind of went about. Um, I was in the media availability at Kansas Speedway uh, last year. And I had a lot going on behind the scenes personally, uh, a lot of on-track stuff that, you know, the success wasn't there, the performance wasn't there, and just kind of put you in a dark place. Yeah. And a reporter had asked me, how's Bubba Wallace doing? And just that was it. It just broke. And, and you know, I was like, hey, I've been depressed for a really long time. And, um, you know, it's doesn't matter what you do for a profession, how much money you make, um, what you look like, what you smell like, it doesn't matter. Depression is real and it latches on uh, in so many ways. Um, you know, I still battle it to an extent. I'm a lot better than I was. Uh, I won't say that proudly, um, but still I have days where um, nothing is exciting. Um, the most exciting thing to do is sleep. And now that's that's kind of every day for me. Don't get me wrong. I like sleeping. <laughs> My children once wrote in a school report, what are mommy's hobbies? And they said sleeping. So I'm yes. right there with you. <laughs> <laughs> but there's just some days where, you know, you can get 15 hours of sleep and you wake up and it's just like. Still exhausted. Just this exhausted. And, and so uh, there's a lot of stress, a lot of depression. Um, and, and a part of me, you know, I kind of bring it upon myself because I'm not the one, like you say, you got to pride out of you. I'm, I'm a person that, that holds it in. Um, that'll eventually let it boil over. And 
And so I didn't, I didn't get it out and it finally built up enough to where I had to blow a gasket. Yeah. 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 So thank you for letting us know about that. Thank you yeah. for your vulnerability there. Something that I've always found leads to bouts of depression or for me, what quite frankly, it's more anxiety is this feeling of unworthiness, this feeling of not mm-hmm. enough. And in yep. an interview, when you talked about that, you said your mom had asked you to start journaling again. And you wrote some, tell, tell us a bit about that story because you kind of made a note to yourself and checked two boxes. Um, t- tell us what, what, what happened there. Yeah, I'd have to go back and, and read it, but it was, you know, right on the lines of, of that, of, you know, am I good enough? I'll never be good enough. You know, this mm-hmm. was, you know, speaking more on track stuff of just, you know, why can't we be competitive? Mm-hmm. And there's so many, you know, variables that, that go into to a NASCAR team and, and being competitive and not being competitive. So, um, and so you start to doubt yourself, self-doubt that comes yeah. in when, when, when things aren't going right and you think that it's all on you. Well, some of it may be on you for sure. I gladly accept that with, with open arms, but you know, not all of it. And that's the hard thing. It's just like, we're so tough and strong. We think that we can fix all the problems. And, and then when you can't, then that's when you start to self-doubt everything. Mm-hmm. I think that goes back to something we talk a lot about in the tech industry around imposter syndrome. When you're mm-hmm. surrounded by the best of the best, whether mm-hmm. it be in tech, whether it be at NASCAR, you can often, or I, let me speak for myself, I can often say, do I really deserve to be here? Am I worthy of this opportunity? Mm-hmm. And it sounds like these are things that went around for you as well. For sure. And I think, yeah, and something that I don't know if this was the case for you, but I think imposter syndrome can also come into play when you're one of the few or the only people who look like you in a right. profession. So, right, right. For, for example, throughout college and throughout my entire professional career, I've been the few or only black person at my level for mm-hmm. the past 30 years. So being the only black NASCAR driver on the Cup Series since 1971, right? Mm-hmm. Since before both of us were born, that can be equal part honor and a challenge. How, or not how, but do you feel a burden of being the only at this time? Well, I wouldn't call it a burden. Um, you know, that goes back to how we were talking, uh, you know, I don't really see color and, and coming into it, I never really have. Uh, I never looked at why is it there people that look like me and mm-hmm. I just, Hey, this is something that I seem pretty good at that I'm going to kind of follow and pursue. And, um, you know, if people of color want to join in great. Uh, if they don't, then all right. You know, that was before. And then now it's like, you know, we, we, we need more people of color to, to join in this sport and, and starting to pay attention to those things more. And I still don't see color, you know, from the, from, from my side of things, but, you know, being more diverse, uh, especially now, is 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 super important. And just you know, I think the way the the, the nation is transitioning, as mm-hmm. much um, division the that there is going on, as much hate that's being thrown around, you know, having some some unity and and some diverse leadership, you know, could really make a positive impact. Yeah. So you talked about not seeing color and really not previously feeling the need to speak up about issues of diversity or or racial equity. And in an interview, your mom said that she was a bit shocked or surprised that you started speaking out on race. What was the moment 
that changed this for you? Yeah, I think um, man, the Ahmad Arbery video, uh, mm-hmm. I can still vision everything that, that goes on in that video to this mm-hmm. moment. And, and that really sparked something. Uh, didn't really know what it was until yeah. maybe the George Floyd incident that we had mm-hmm. seen. And the power of, of social media and, and camera phones now is, is just unreal. Mm-hmm. And so you, you can't you can't get away from anything. Yeah. As much as you didn't want to see that, it's just on repeat. And and that the, those incidents uh, really kind of was like the final straw that broke the camel's back. And yeah. and, uh, and and also a lot of it was from pressure from fans um, and, and people of that that knew that I was an African American driver in a predominantly white sport. Mm-hmm. You know, I got a lot of tweets. What does Bubba Wallace think? Is he going to say anything? This would be huge for Bubba Wallace to step up and. And, and be a leader in this. And, you know, I've gotten those tweets when, when um, other tragic events have happened in, in years past. And, and it was just like, I can, it's such a tough way to navigate through sponsors, teams. Like, you got to be careful. You say one wrong thing and your, your career could be over with. And that's crazy how that is, but that's just how it works. And so, um, you know, at this, this point, I was like, you know what? You know, sponsors can sit on the sideline. Uh, teams can sit on the sideline. I'm going to you know, speak my mind here. And that was that. Yeah. So speaking of social media, I've spent a lot of time on your social media fan, oh uh, feed as a fan. Well, yes. Oh boy. As a fan and preparing for our conversation today. And right, right. I really love the hope that you bring to the medium and your willingness to take a stand on issues sure. from Black Lives Matter to racial equity and really speaking for hope and love. But when you read through the comments, you yeah. tell a bit of a different story. There's, oh, yes. you know, quite frankly, a lot of hate on your feed in response to your statements of love and hope. How do you deal with this response? Yeah, well, um, I had a, a new partner come on on board, uh, Columbia Sportswear, um, mm-hmm. huge brand, global brand. And and we were having a, a talk with their management team and that question had popped up. And my simplest answer was, well, if you have a company wanting to spend X million amount of dollars, you learn to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> and and that's the biggest thing. And, and so knowing that my words carry so much more than Joe Schmo's words that are spewing hate on my comments, mm-hmm. you know, he could say the, the most negative derogatory thing and I could say one thing back and all of a sudden I'm the bad person. Yeah. And so I've, I've made those mistakes in the past, you know, before where I was at now, you know, learning and coming up through the ranks, you know, you fire back, someone, you know, offended you, you wanted to stand your ground and stick up for yourself, but there's a way to do that. And you have to do that the right way. And, and, you know, the right place, right time. It's, it's one of those deals. And, and so it's just better for me to, to not say anything at all. Yeah. So you, you mentioned earlier, I think, that you've spoken out about how initially you weren't bothered by the Confederate flag, mm-hmm. but you took time to listen and educate yourself and your views changed yeah. about that. Um, it may be the same answer around the Ahmaud Arbery video going viral and then George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, mm-hmm. amongst so many others. What changed for you specifically around your stance on um, the, the room, the, the appropriateness of the Confederate yeah. flag at NASCAR events? Yeah, I think, you know, even even the flag to the to this day doesn't, you know, strike a nerve and offend me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, knowing I mean, my position in this sport, um, knowing how much my words kind of carried weight, 
how much weight they carried. Um, yeah. You know, and seeing the comments of, oh, NASCAR, they don't, they're, they're not a, a welcoming sport. They're not a diverse sport. They have the Confederate flag flying. I've been to a race there. I didn't feel comfortable uh, seeing that flag flown around. Um, I'll never go to a race uh, because the Confederate flag is there. You know, reading all those comments, it was just like, okay, if I can get rid of the flag, then that'll get more people to come. Hmm. If I can speak about the flag and, and raise awareness on it, then that will, you know, kind of open up new doors. We're not shutting the door. Good yeah. friend Marty Smith said that. We're not shutting the door on those people that that have the Confederate flag in their livelihood. Have at it. But when it's on private grounds and NASCAR is there that weekend, then we're not going to allow it. We're going to have we're going to have all walks of life feel welcome. And while it may mean heritage to some, to a whole another demographic means hate. And it's mm. like, once you have an understanding for that, instead of being offended that we removed the Confederate flag, like I didn't go to your house and rip it off your walls or your flagpole. Like yeah. it's just, it's just at the racetrack. That's, that's, that's it. You know, mm -hmm. as soon as you leave the racetrack, you can do whatever you want, but you know, that's in your own private setting as to where when you step on the grounds of a NASCAR race, then, you know, we kind of own you for the, for that time being. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really, really great way to look at. It's about perspectives and if it's about it putting on a great show for the fans, giving them a great experience. Whereas before COVID, this was a three, four day experience yeah. for most fans, just you know, sure. camping out in campers or just being around for qualifying and all the experience. How can you expand the market to make sure mm -hmm. that not only is everyone comfortable when they're there, but now more fans who may yeah. not have considered going in person are comfortable. I think that's yeah. a really great, great viewpoint and just understanding that people view it differently. It's not a judgment. It's just how sure. do we make this the most welcoming site for all of our fans? For sure. Um, related to that, you've been really open about encouraging your fans to use love to defeat hate. Mm -hmm. What advice do you have for those moments? And really, I think the moment we're in right now is, is indicative of that. What advice do you give when that's easier said than done? Yeah, I think everything's easier said than done for sure. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think you, you look at its levels and uh, everybody, I say that to a lot of things. There's levels to it. There's levels to racing. There's levels to society. You look at what level do you want to be on? And do you want to stoop down to the level and continue to create more anger, frustration and hate towards one another? Or do you just want to be the better person, be the bigger man? And, and just, you know what, just put your pride aside and just, you know, have an understanding for somebody, you know, mm -hmm. no matter if they are continuing to spew hate, just kill them with kindness. That's, that's, yeah. you know, uh, definitely one thing that, you know, I was taught growing up is kill them with kindness. So whether it's sarcastic or not, you know, it's, mm -hmm. you're taking the higher road. You're starting to show that, you know, you can, you can take the higher road and be the better person. So I think, mm -hmm at the same time, you're having a, an understanding of what's going on. You're, you're realizing like, okay, this conversation isn't going anywhere. So mm. let's flip the script and, and try to be more constructive with our words and how we're going about things. And that's super important. So um, I think we all got a, um, uh, a good view of not understanding one another last night. 
uh, mm-hmm. on, on the TV screen with the mm-hmm. debate. And, mm-hmm. and it was just words just being thrown at each other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one thing that us NASCAR drivers and, and a lot of people that have stepped up to, to be more outspoken have, have said is, is to take a step back and listen and educate yourself and learn, you know, what people are saying. And so yeah. I think that's really important. Yeah. And related to that, you know, you talk about encouraging people to, to take the high road and do their part to change the narrative, change the conversation by listening and trying to understand. So with that in mind, right now, racial justice is really top of mind for many people in America and around the world. Mm-hmm. How do you think we can take this moment and translate it into change? And what role, some people might say, well, I'm just one person. I'm not an expert in this space, or I just have a regular day job. What could I really do to make a difference? What do you think that individuals, everyday people, can do to keep the momentum building on this quest for racial uh, racial equity? Yeah, I think that's a good question. And I have those questions as well. It's like, okay, yeah. how can we create real change? I mean, go look at my comments. Like you said, there's a lot of work to be done. And so... Uh, do I have the the answer for that? No, but I think the more learning and listening and educating myself, you know, that answer might start to become more clear. And then you have those conversations with your peers to to go out and and educate them. And then it, hopefully it becomes a snowball effect to where they're they're doing you know they're preaching to the choir, mm-hmm. they're sharing the gospel of, of what's going on. And, and how we can make this world a better place and, 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 you know, sharing my, um, my instances where I've gone through racial discrimination and educating people. And it's, it's like, you know, not every day am, am I discriminated against? No. I mean, a lot of times say, hey, Bubba, what's going on? How you doing? But there have been those times where it's like, it's the questions is how they word things like being pulled over by police officers, you know, can you afford this car? Mm-hmm. Why are you asking that question? Like, you know, was I speeding or not? Well, no, but you, you didn't turn on your turn signal right away. Like, mm-hmm. but you want to know if I can afford this car. So it's, it's those little things. And it's like, it's like, you know, the, why, why, why are those, why does that even come to mind for some people? And, and some people just don't like, Oh, I wasn't trying to be rude there, but mm-hmm. you knew what you were doing. So it's, it's kind of having a better understanding. In our search for racial equity and justice, one common theme has really stood out in all of our conversations. And that theme is hope. In the current global conversation on racial justice, how do you see love, courage, and hope as part of the conversation? Yeah, I think, you know, having love towards one another is super important. Loving your brothers and sisters, your neighbors, you know, as they're your own family is is super important. And and that's how I was kind of brought up, Um, you know, I was never taught to hate another person because of their beliefs or the way they looked. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's to me, I, I, I can, you know, and within a couple seconds, a couple minutes of meeting you, I can figure out, Hey, we're going to get along or we're not. Yeah. And just because I think we don't get along, it doesn't mean I hate you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like, you know, we're not vibing and, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think just having an understanding for, for people, and, and not seeing them as something that's, you know, exposable, you know, we're, we're in this together. And, and once you realize that when you're together, you're stronger, it makes so much more sense to, to treat each other with respect. And so, you know, ha- it takes a lot of courage to do that because, you know, 
it's tough. A lot of people can meet strangers. I really don't feel like I can meet a stranger. I make friends with a, a brick wall and, and yeah. we hit it off really well. So yeah. uh, I think I get that from my mother. Um, but you know, I think that having those, having the love, the, the hope, the, com- the compassion there, um, is, is super important. And I think if more people educate themselves on those three terms, it might, you know, expedite, expedite the process. Yeah. So before we wrap up, I'm going to ask a selfish question. Um, if you were speaking to young boys or young girls around, um, interest in pursuing a career in NASCAR, um, whether they are as young as you were when they began, or if they're a little older, say hypothetically 11 and 13 years <laughs> old, like my boys happen to be, what advice would you give? Yeah, this sport is is super tough. Um, this is a, uh, how do you word it? Like a solo sport. Yeah. Um, other sports are team sports. So, mm-hmm. you know, you do your job and, and as long as you execute it properly, then that's it. Well, when it comes to motorsports, it's a team. There's definitely a team, um, but you're controlling the ship. You're you're driving the car. You're um, you know doing everything on on the track to to get the best results as possible. So um, you know when you don't produce results and and say you finish second or third and you don't win time after time, then it's tough. So you have to be able to accept defeat. Um, this is this this is motorsports is the only form of sports where the champion loses more than he wins. Yeah. And so uh, look at Kevin Harvick right now. He's won nine races and we have, I think we're on nine of 30. Mm-hmm. And you just, you know, the numbers there, it's like terrible. Then you fast forward to um, the, the Lakers and the Heat. I don't know their exact record uh, right sure. now, but I'm sure it's more wins than losses. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's level set. And, and so you have to look at, okay, I have to be able to accept defeat, but you learn from those moments of defeat and come back stronger for the next weekend. Okay, so, Bob, it's really been a privilege to speak with you today. We've covered a lot of ground, lots of topics. Is there one message that you'd like our audience and your fans to walk away with from our conversation today? Yeah, I think, you know, we've covered a lot, and it was really good talking to you as well. And and I think, you know, having the understanding for one another, Mm -hmm. um, taking a step back and having patience, I think, that's that's the word that we utilize so much in racing, having patience. Um, but having patience with one another in society is super important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt. Don't judge a book by its cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, you never know, you know, what that person is going through on the inside. I mean, people can say I live a lavish life and I got the best of the best, but I go through depression and and that's that's tough. And mm-hmm. and people don't know that. And so that's where the just take a step back, listen for a second, educate yourself, and then make up your uh, your your thoughts, if, you should, if I should say. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great way for us to end. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Thank you for leading with love and for guiding your fans to do the same. And best luck on the truck on Sunday. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Have a good one. You too. I'm Melanie Parker. Thank you for joining us for the search racial equity. Let us march on till victory is won.